I don't know exactly how you feel about it, of course, but I am so happy finally to meet you. The search process was deliberate, methodical, careful, and lengthy. And throughout that process, the turning point for me was always one thing, always one thing. It's when I finally got to meet an actual person. So this is the culmination of all of that, to know that you're real. This, this cathedral is much more beautiful, and it's certainly more lively with all of you in it. Thanks be to God. For me, it was meeting people. I, I never, throughout the whole search process, I never heard God speak to me directly and say, go to Denver. But I had this, um, this gut feeling, this holy hunch, this intuition that we were supposed to be together. The best part of being a priest, um, the best part are relationships. It's not the only part of a priest or pastor's work, but it is always the best part. Perhaps the most important thing, however, I have to tell you on this morning is this. I did not pick this gospel reading for my first sermon. You know, these things come to us from, from the prayer book and that schedule or, or lectionary that, that gives us the readings for each Sunday, so we have to deal with it. I would have picked a, a, a healing scene, by the way, if you're curious. The part that, that leaps off the, off the page and you, you just lingers in the air as you hear it is, of course, that bit about the furnace on this fire. I don't know another word for it. It's frightening. Frankly, it's terrifying. I've preached on this text before. I've heard it throughout the course of my life, and it still terrifies me. It's this kind of passage that will call forth from us, and we should be good at this as Episcopalians, from every fiber of our mind to put an image like that in some type of context intellectually, because this does not sound like the Jesus we've all come to know and love. This is not why most of us are here. Thankfully, this, this fiery furnace bit, it occurs once in this gospel and a couple of times in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is, you use the phrase, a whole nother can of worms. It's a whole nother subject. So it's a very limited image. It gets paired with um, another image that the King James Version really put this into the English imagination. It comes from a word that's used only a handful of times as well but a word that gets translated for hell. It's an actual place within Israel, a word Gehenna, this valley of Hinnom. And I say all of that, not to belabor it, but because it was the trash heap outside of the capital city, Jerusalem. And it's an image that's associated for fire, with fire for a very practical reason. It's where the Jews burned things. 
things. They burned trash. They burned things that needed to be done away with. And that helps. It's a practical, not a metaphysical image then. Fire, of course, is also one of the four elemental substances. Fire, water, earth, and wind. So to Jesus' original hearers, fire actually sounds totally unlike it does to most of us here. It was a very practical thing and therefore a very suggestive metaphor for things in our lives, in our minds, in our souls, maybe in our bodies, that need to be let go of. Some scholars even believe that the fiery furnace bit and this long explanation for what this parable means was actually not spoken by Jesus himself, but was instead added later by followers of Jesus who wanted to sharpen and allegorize the meaning of the original shorter story. But the story, the parable, that's the best part. That's the interesting part. So, you can tell it quickly. Um, A farmer has a field, plants wheat, The crop goes really well. His servants or slaves are very happy with how it's gone. Things are thriving. In the middle of the night, we don't know who, and it doesn't matter. This is not an allegory. An enemy shows up and plants weeds throughout the crop. Ruins everything, apparently. And the farmer's servants who want to get this right... And they're such hard and faithful and smart workers. They say, we've got the solution. So what we're going to do, we're just going to take out all the weeds and we'll do it right now. The, The wheat's fine. And the farmer tells them something that is counterintuitive to the, to the servants and perhaps to us. The farmer says, probably after a long pause, don't pull up the weeds yet. Let them grow together. And then when it's finally harvest, When it's finally harvest, we've got time. We'll separate the two. Because if we do it too early, we might mistake one for the other. And it'd be an even greater loss. This parable is not ultimately about farming. It's about the shape of our souls and minds. Sometimes in life, it's really hard to separate what's good from what's bad both out there and within here. Sometimes in life, we need to be really patient, not decisive. Sometimes we need to be vulnerable, not cocky or impetuous, because we don't have the whole truth, even about what is within us that we know so well, apparently. Moving here, I um, packed up my office, as you would imagine, back in Memphis. Um, And when I was doing it, I came across, I rarely used my desk, but I came across this drawer that I had not been in 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 years. And I found all of the letters that I'd saved from my parishes that I'd served. This is my third parish, so saved from my past two parishes. All these handwritten notes, and they mean a great deal to me, um, people I have great affection for, and, and things I want to remember, so I, I saved those letters. I haven't saved every letter I've gotten, but I saved a lot of them. 
And I came across one from, God rest his soul, Jack in my first parish. I knew Jack for about seven or eight years in my first place to serve. And Jack at that time was, was about 75. Knew him for about seven or eight years, so he was in his early 80s. And he, um, he had retired, so he'd reached this place in his life where from retirement he could see the decades of his life from a totally different perspective. And you could see him becoming wiser. He also became happier and funnier, which may have something to do with retirement too. <clears throat> and in eight years, he gave me advice only twice, and both times it was spot on. In this letter, when I was leaving to go to Memphis, he wrote, it, he wrote the letter and, and he gave me his second piece of advice in eight years. And it was this. He said, first, congrats. Great fun. You're going to this church, school, bigger city of Memphis, which is fabulous. I know you'll love it. But be careful. Be careful because you're going to have more responsibility. And you've got a family. And you've got friends. And you've got your own personal life. And speaking from experience, he said, I look back over my decades of success. And every time I moved upward and higher into a different city, I realize what I did not know then. I was away from home too much. And frankly, I loved work way too much. And my life, for a long time, got out of balance. That's a profound thing to admit at any age. And I cherish that wisdom. And Jack's point, actually, and I don't know that he was thinking about this parable, but it actually expands upon Jesus' point in that great short story. Wheat, wheat can turn into weeds. There can be too much of a good thing. And maybe that's the definition of addiction. Loving the good more than we should. Well, that's a quick sketch of someone who in his 70s and 80s became really wise. We don't have to wait that long if you don't want to. We can become wise at any moment. And this parable and so much of our life together is going to be about just that, becoming as wise as God wants us to be. And what we need to remember is it's not a race. We get there at different times in our lives and in different seasons we need different types of wisdom. We don't have to be in a hurry. Get there when you can. And remember that the source of that wisdom is Almighty God, God's very self. And God's well is deep enough for one and for all.